welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, hosts Ryan Henderson and Brett Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode. Welcome in. This is the Tuesday Not So Deep Dive episode on Chit Chat Money. This is the weekly episode only for CCM Plus subscribers. So if you are listening to this, thank you for signing up. I know we're still early days with the subscription. One note that we'll be saying on every show, um, at least for the foreseeable future, if you are not getting your email uh, of what will we call it? the show notes, the research, the charts, the link to the Google Drive, all that good stuff. If that's not showing up in your inbox the day the show releases, so Tuesday morning, email us at chitchatmoneypodcast at gmail.com. The spelling is in the show notes. We'll get you signed up on that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it's harder for us to get the email. So if you want all that research to go along with the CCM Plus subscription, which is a nice addition to um, the audio version, which we're listening, you know, what you're listening to now, it has all the charts and maybe some more of the numbers, easy, more easily digestible. That's how we're trying to do it. Email us. But without further ado, we're talking at Sirius XM today. And I'll, I'll just mention this first. If if you've listened to a lot of these now, you're going to hear that every episode. So feel free. I mean, it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. we need it for new subscribers, and I'm sure. Most of our listeners understand that. So feel free to skip the first 30 seconds, 45 exactly, seconds. Exactly. Skip 30 seconds in right when we introduce the company. And it is Sirius XM, a company I think a lot of people are aware of, but is a bit of a mystery. It's had its ups and downs. Ryan's going to go through the history. But Ryan, what is Sirius XM? What do they own? And how does that business work? They are a leading audio entertainment company in North America. And so the, they actually kind of have the two, I think it used to be referred to the newspaper business used to refer to them as the, I think it was the two golden rivers of you could run a subscription business, but also sell ads. And so Sirius XM is able to generate revenue through both subscriptions and ads. Um, and so they have their core satellite radio business, which I'll, I'll talk about here in a second, but they've also added other audio offerings in recent years, including Pandora and Stitcher. And then there's some other ones that I'll touch on in a sec as well. Um, but Sirius breaks its business into two parts. So Sirius XM, the, the core business is the only remaining satellite radio provider in the United States. Um, once you're subscribed to Sirius XM, you get a collection of channels covering music, sports, entertainment, comedy, news, traffic, weather, bunch of different stuff. And there are exclusive personalities that are like, as I mentioned, exclusive to Sirius XM channels and subscribers. And the music, I guess this is one of the benefits over terrestrial radio is that the music is ad free, the music ad channels or the, the music channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's available anywhere. You know how the, the broadcast radio just has terrible reception all the time. At least, well, maybe it's worse in the Pacific Northwest, but it's really right. awful in a lot of spots. And Sirius XM is lights out better. Right. And they since they, they don't really have to bog the platform down with a bunch of ads because they're a subscription business largely and you have to subscribe to get the channels. So that kind of enhances the value compared to a traditional radio, along with better coverage, as Brett mentioned. And then um, although subscribers can access now, they can pretty much see Sirius XM wherever now um, on most Internet connected devices, they still the company still relies heavily on automotive partnerships to drive new customer growth. And so today, Sirius XM is enabled in approximately 145 million cars that are on the road and 84% of all new cars produced. So all the big automakers have existing relationships with Sirius XM where they include the infotainment system and they're Sirius XM enabled so that when you sign up or when you buy a new car, they'll probably ask, do you want Sirius XM included? You sign up, you get the subscription, uh, and then you get all those channels unlocked. And so the average price for subscriptions is just under $16 a month. And then Sirius currently touts about 34 million total subscribers. That has gone up over the last decade. The second part of their business, they call Pandora and off-platform. So 
On the Pandora side of things, people are probably familiar with the Pandora platform. Pandora is a freemium audio audio streaming platform that allows listeners to create personalized stations and playlists. It's honestly fairly similar to Spotify, just worse, I would say. Uh, and I think that's reflected in the subscriber numbers. And don't let your bias come into, but yes, probably, given that less people use it and their subscribers are going down, but yeah. Right. And it's... Uh, the navigation on the mobile app isn't great compared to Spotify and it's more, I guess, desktop oriented and most of its revenue compared to Sirius XM is driven by ads, which is like the, the inverse for Spotify. So Pandora really, even though they have a Pandora plus, and I think a few different tiers where you can get it ad free, it's still primarily an ad driven business. And then the, the other part, I guess that's important is they have a, uh, they have an exclusive deal with SoundCloud, Pandora does, where they are the exclusive ad sales representative for SoundCloud. So basically, um, they connect advertisers with any ad inventory that's on SoundCloud. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what SoundCloud is, another music listening platform where it's a lot of... Upload your own, right? Kind yeah, it's a lot of artists that it's a strange are trip. smaller. Yeah, it's... it's uh... There are some songs on there that you probably don't hear elsewhere. That's um, fair. That's good. Yeah, it's 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 a. I don't know. I feel like they. We don't want to talk about them forever, but they've had a trouble finding their target audience outside of the really um, the the music diehards, if you know what I mean. Yeah, a lot of remixes on there and stuff like that. Um, and Pandora also owns uh, a stake in SoundCloud as well, alongside being the exclusive ad sales representative. But then there's three other products that I think are worth noting on the off-platform part. So there's AdsWiz, which is a programmatic audio advertising platform. This is exactly what it sounds like. It helps advertisers connect with ad inventory, and the ad inventory is um, basically collected through either SiriusXM's own content, podcasts, stuff like that, or there's some third parties that sign up as well, so other other uh, podcasts. And then the second one is Simplecast. This is a podcast management and analytics platform. Basically, we, we let's say we were to use it, we would sign up, pay whatever the monthly subscription is, and they'd probably give us better analytics on who our listeners are, wh- how long they listen for, all that good stuff. And then the third one is Stitcher. You might be listening to this on Stitcher right now. I, I think a very few. 2% or 3% of our audience. So I have no idea if any not so deep dive. CCM Plus listeners are are on this, but yeah, like a, a single digit percentage. Yeah, on Stitcher on a good day. Stitcher is it's it's actually more of a holistic podcast business. So they they actually have their own production studios as well as the app where people can listen, and then they have a mid roll advertising network trying to become sort of like uh, the Spotify audience network except it lacks, I guess. I, I keep referencing it to Spotify. It doesn't have some of the benefits of Spotify, but it's basically just a typical ad yeah. network that's focused on podcasts. Yeah, and they're, I don't even know how to think of Stitcher because they used to be you know, more popular on the listener side, but now it seems like they're focusing more on um, producing shows. Yeah. And that's their bread and butter, but it's tough. All right, what's the history of the business? Because this is a tough one. Dot-com bubble, although I don't think you went that far back, but it was a dot-com bubble company. Yeah, well... The internet, shout out Silicon Valley show. Uh, it was... It was actually started, so XM and Sirius were two separate companies. Sirius was started in 1992, I believe, and they were basically effectively created the industry. Um, They were the ones that got the regulatory approval to launch the satellites and distribute radio that way. Um, XM basically tailed off that and built a satellite radio business. And then the two of them were the only two surviving um, in the industry or in the United States, the only two satellite radios stations or satellite radio businesses that existed. Um, And so they merged because neither one of them are profitable. And basically they thought if we can merge, we're going to be able to cut out some of the costs associated with, um, you know, duplicate stations, marketing costs, competing for the same customers. They were able to cut that out. And that was in 2007. They got regulatory approval in 2008. And then once the agreement finally passed, they were still basically on the brink brink of bankruptcy. And at that time, Liberty Media stepped in and gave them basically a $530 million. They said $530 million loan, but 
they acquired a 40% equity stake in the company with that $530 million purchase. I think it was some complicated thing where they could convert it into equity and they did over time. So essentially they got the equity stake and that's what they have today. That's probably what investors need to know. Yeah. With, with that cash infusion, they were able to make it out of that period. They started to turn a profit. And I think around 2012, they were at roughly 20 million subscribers. And um, a lot of the growth came from those automaker uh, partnerships. And then in 2012, Liberty Media gained a 49.5% stake in the company. They replaced the CEO and effectively took over uh, the business today. I think it's at 81% equity stake. You're going to touch on that. So it's increasing ever higher uh, because yeah. of buybacks. We'll get to that later. Uh, and then since then, the company has also added the several businesses that I mentioned. Um, so they added Stitcher for $325 million in 2020. Pandora was a 2018 acquisition for $3.5 billion. Ooh. Fair to say that was a that was a poor choice. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, you'll see, um, and this is why you know we want you to look at the Substack and look at the Google Drive as well. If you look at the charts, any of the Pandora stuff, not looking too hot. Yeah. And then they've, they've also added, as as with many John Malone companies, they've added a lot of debt to the balance sheet over the years. And they have actually, in total, mostly all on the SiriusXM side, grown subscribers. Um, they're at about 34 million total subs now. As I said, I think in 2012, they're around 20 million. So they have, uh, they have grown that business despite the shift towards streaming. Yep. And yeah, like we said, yeah, SiriusXM. Look at the charts, steady growth over the last five years. Let's take a look at the industry and the competition. Um, the audio industry in North America, which is where SiriusXM is mainly competing, is it's tough to find a number on. I don't think anyone's doing, from what I could find, numbers on the total audio industry in the United States. However, they do all the different niches. So just for reference, the recorded music industry is estimated to be around $9.8 billion in North America in 2021 and growing quite quickly. A lot of that growth is streaming, so maybe that's not benefiting SiriusXM. But if we want to look at podcasts, something that they're going to uh, invest in heavily, that industry is expected to hit about $4 billion by 2024 and is closer to a billion to $2 billion right now. So a lot of growth there, a lot of potential dollars to go after. And then if we look at the radio broadcasting industry, it is estimated to still be $22.9 billion in 2022. So a is that advertising dollars? Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be advertising dollars because radio is free. Um, and I guess that's still a market opportunity for SiriusXM to go after, although the, the industry is quite mature. So there's a lot of there's a lot of different variables. You know, could they still take share from traditional broadcasting radio? Are they going to go, you know, be these competitors from streaming? Is there going to be other someone like iHeartRadio coming in? That's going to be a unique asset. Uh, but from a serious XM perspective, if we're looking at say the industry and the total market opportunity for audio in the United States, you don't you think maybe a thirty to forty billion dollar range is is good. That's kind of a good estimate for the total market opportunity. Although yeah. that would include radio, podcasting, and then their streaming audio ambitions, which we'll talk about later, how they're trying to move out from beyond the car. It, it really depends how I think podcasting develops because they are investing heavily towards that. And I think that's one of the larger, that's one of the market opportunities. I think it's probably the only market opportunity that's actually growing. Yeah. And I think another them. big question is, 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 traditional radio ever going to die because that's a lot of ad dollars there as well and just money spent in general for and the thing is they aren't necessarily maybe on the pandora side but they aren't competing for ad dollars they're trying to get people away essentially from advertisements in general but it's a mix it's a mix it's a it's a small very small percentage of their revenue on sirius xm comes from ads right right exactly all right if we look at competitors one i think the biggest competitor would well maybe it's a little different now, but all big competitors, traditional broadcast radio, all the different stations that people might tune into. There is iHeartRadio, and then there's um, there's a popular app now called TuneIn, which allows people to stream traditional radio stations. That's a, another, you know, that, that's some competition maybe people for Sirius should uh, take seriously. Um, <laughs> then there's also Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streamers. And then I also take a look at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the other podcast platforms. They compete with Stitcher and really time spent. So essentially, the way I look at it is 
any service that is competing for audio listening time in the United States, which is where SiriusXM is competing, especially in the car, is yeah. going to be a competitor to SiriusXM. I don't like to make it more complicated than that. They're competing for time spent, and that's how they'll drive either subscriber and ARPU growth, average revenue per user growth, or advertising growth on the Pandora and off-platform stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't find a number, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that more than 90% of the time spent on SiriusXM is spent in the car. So th- that's really, and that that's kind of, car- they've kind of carved out that niche where um, it's a little more difficult to disrupt potentially. Um, and I, that's kind of foreshadowing. That's one of my highlights, but um, yeah, they're really competing for time spent in the car from listeners. I'll give a note there. If anyone, I think maybe younger user or younger listeners, which I know we skew towards might not think Sirius XM is popular because a lot of younger users, which we'll discuss is maybe a low light uh, later don't have the, you know, know the popularity of Sirius XM, but according to their proxy statement this year, they maintained a 20% share of in-car listening, which is still double that of streaming audio services. So they have had a strong, good stranglehold on in-car listening. All right, management ownership. Interesting one, because this is a Liberty Media controlled entity. So the CEO is Jennifer Witz, W-I-T-Z. She became the CEO in January, 2021, and has been a lifer at the company. He's been there for 18 years. And the other important person I think to note is Scott Greenstein. He is the chief content officer. According to the executive bio, it wasn't written that well, but it looks like he's been in a similar role since about 2004. He's had a very long tenure at SiriusXM through all the different ups and downs. And I'm spearheaded that content strategy, you know, getting Howard Stern, getting all that good stuff um, that's made SiriusXM or attracted subscribers to SiriusXM and lowered that churn. Now, one note I'd make here that we usually don't talk about is the board of directors has 15 members, which I think is a lot, especially for a company of this size. For example, um, I found the Warner Discovery CEO, David Zaslov, is on the board. Um, I wonder how much time he has to give any insights into SiriusXM strategy. Seems like he has a lot on his plate to deal with. Besides that, I'm more of a small board guy. Maybe, you know, five to seven is kind of a good target there. But and people, deal, but. people who have the time to care. Exactly. Ex CEOs, ex whatever. Um, yeah. Now, you might be concerned about you know board compensation. However, actually, it wasn't that bad. About $6.8 million in total board compensation in 2021, or only about 0.15% of trailing gross profits. So, not a huge concern about board, uh, the board of directors stealing all the profits available for shareholders. Um, total executive compensation was about $53.5 million in 2021, or about approximately 1.2% of trailing gross profit. That one was fine. Not a huge concern, but they do pay people well. Total compensation has fluctuated when different executives get large bonuses. So it was a little higher this year because Wits, the new CEO, got a bonus uh, because she just started out. Um, it is not, but generally though, it, you know, pay is strong it's high you might look at it on an absolute basis and say wow these people are paid well but versus the size of their gross profit generation and generally free cash flow as well it's not too bad now lastly on executive compensation they have a typical three-tier structure of salary annual bonus and long-term equity awards um annual bonuses have no formulaic approach so it's kind of up to well really it's up to liberty media because they're a controlling stake but it's up to the board directors to and the ceo to determine the executive awards but if we look at the long-term equity awards, which are just the RSUs or the options they're going to get, these are both based on free cash flow targets and total shareholder return. I like that. That's pretty good. You know, no, no big concerns there. However, there are a ton of, there was a few paragraphs outlining all this stuff. So going into the nitty gritty of like, okay, what is the free cash flow target got to be over this multi-year period? Is it actually good? Like that, you know, is it just the same as it was? Or are, are they incentivized based on um, total shareholder return that's not really that good of a hurdle rate? Oh. I, it's hard. Uh, it's a little beyond the scope of this basic show. But then the last thing I would note is they own 70% of Sirius XM Canada, which has approximately 2.6 million total subscribers that have been fairly stable the last few years. So it hasn't grown like the North America, or excuse me, the United States version, but that's still a decent chunk of maybe. Um, shareholder value there. Probably not too high, but you know, not not low enough to be excluded. And then if we look at the ownership table, 
Again, don't need to read all these off here because it'll be in the Substack. but Liberty Media owns, as the proxy statement, 81.37% of the stock. Total executives, officers, and directors own 0.63%. So really, think of this as a controlled company, as a subsidiary of Liberty Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Ryan, do you want to hit the race? Yeah. Over the last 12 months, they've done about $9 billion in revenue, just a little bit below that. And that's up 6% roughly from the 12 months prior. They have 50.5% gross margins. The bulk of their costs come from royalty payouts. Similar, if you've ever looked at Spotify, very similar. They have um, a lot of artists that, that, you know, they're streaming music or maybe not streaming, they're playing music. Yeah, it goes to the labels and stuff like that. Yeah. The, you know, positive or serious is uh, the, the the percentage payouts are a lot lower than the streaming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. You can see that purely in the gross margin number versus uh, Spotify. And then they have about a billion and a half in free cash flow over the last 12 months. They're guiding for 1.55 billion this year. So um, that's going to be basically flat. And part of that, they're going through a bit of a tough period in terms of new customers because auto production has been down. And so they've got all these relationships, but with the chip shortages, automakers aren't able to build as many cars. They're not in, they're not getting their product in front of a bunch of new customers. So it's kind of hurting growth. Um, As for the most recent quarter, $2.25 billion in total revenue, that's up 4% year over year. most of that is coming from price increases at Sirius XM. So in terms of the revenue breakdown, 1.7 billion is Sirius XM, 403 million is Pandora and off platform. So still the bulk coming from that core satellite radio business. And then Sirius XM total subscribers declined 1.3%, while ARPU or the average revenue per user increased 7%. So that they have increased over time. So I don't know if this was the peak. I well, would... if we look at, uh, yeah, we'll have some good charts for everyone that their promotional subs because of, I think it's because of the automo- automotive dynamics right now are down in time, which is kind of their funnel. Yeah. But their self-pay subs have steadily grown. Um, if I have a chart basically from 2017 to 2022, it grew every year from that until now. So I don't know if this is a huge concern, but still something to track. And then Pandora total subscribers decreased 4% as well as the engagement essentially. So ad supported listening hours were down and then revenue per ad supported listening hour were also down. So um, all negatives, <laughs> all pretty bad at Pandora. I have to imagine or hope they are just juicing that for whatever cash it's going to spit off between now and uh, judgment day. I don't know if Judgment Day will ever you know, actually exist, but um, I hope they're not plowing resources back into that business. Yeah, if we look at uh, Q1 2019, Pandora and other, which is basically Pandora, had 66 million monthly active users. And if we look at Q2 2022, it only had 50.5 million monthly active users, and that has steadily declined. So clearly, they're seeing a decrease in usage, um, which is going to either Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever. Free cash flow for the quarter was 435 million. It's about 19% free cash flow margin. They've, they've generally had around 20%, um, a little under. So um, I, uh, not too bad there. And then, as I mentioned, it, just that that the sh- over the short term, they seem to be pretty impacted by the, the automotive slowdown. So um, 
kind of it could be lumpy until the chip shortage gets figured out or now they're somewhat tied at least on the promoted subs um they're kind of tied to the automotive cycle so um you can get some indicators by looking at car production generally as to what the quarter is probably going to look like for sirius xm yeah for sure all right you want to hit balance sheet yeah not uh, well, uh, I shouldn't say not a whole lot. They run the balance sheet quite lean. So they have $120 million in pure cash and equivalents and $10 billion in total debt. So um, lots of debt. Most of that is, it's almost entirely comprised of senior notes. There's some convertible debt that they ended up acquiring when they picked up Pandora, uh, but it's really a negligible amount. And then they have a um, credit facility that's open as well. Um, but small i think it's 500 million compared to their 10 billion dollars outstanding and then 90 percent of the debt is due after 2025 the average interest rate on that is 4.3 percent not bad um in terms of cash flow they they generate or they expect to generate 1.55 billion in free cash flow and they generate just under two billion dollars in operating cash flow and there's a covenant in their credit facility agreement that they have to stay below a operating cash flow or a total debt to operating cash flow ratio of five times. And based on their trailing numbers, they're at like 4.95 times. So they're running it quite close. I think they could probably live without their credit facility, but I imagine they try to stay around that target to kind of just keep their creditors happy. So, and the debt or sorry, the cash on the balance sheet is not a big deal either because Liberty media, if need be, controls this company so they can give them cash, um, scoot stuff around from other places. Yeah. And the, I mean, the cash flows, I would say fairly predictable in this business. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll hit valuation. Um, this is based on a stock price of $6.41 and we'll have the dynamic valuation listed that you can go and check just because stuff can change, especially right now. We're in a bit of volatility again, at least today. Uh, market cap is actually pretty high. At least I was surprised at how high large this business was. Market cap's $24.9 billion, but enterprise value because of that debt load is closer to $35 billion. So it's about $34.7 billion. The two numbers I'm looking at, the two metrics here are enterprise value to operating income and enterprise value to free cash flow, which is just taking enterprise value dividing by both of those. On a trailing basis, our EV to operating income is 17.1 and EV to free cash flow is 22.5. No big surprises there, fairly standard, but I do like to check out both to see how much they're converting in their income to free cash flow. Last note, they have employed a huge buyback strategy um, that I think we mentioned. And stock options and RSUs as a percentage of shares outstanding, they've hovered around six to 7% the last five years. And what this means is that there's gonna be dilution coming in down the line that is going to offset this heavy buyback strategy. So this is why share count has only gone down by 3.3% a year. Let me get that number correct here from our notes. Yep, 3.3% a year since Q2 2017, even though they've spent over $15 billion buying back stock. So while share count has gone down and while they're going to employ the strategy, the absolute dollars uh, there's just a lot of offsets because of their their heavy RSUs compared to how many shares of standings they have. All yeah, right, and they also have, I if I read it right, they have a open repurchase program for up to eighteen billion dollars, which is almost their is. entire market cap. Um, it's no indefinite limits. though, so they can buy back as much as they want or as much as they feel compelled <laughs> to. Liberty owns everything here, I guess, but uh, we'll talk about maybe that strange dynamic later. All right. Anecdotal evidence. Yeah. What do you got for me? Um, all right. Two things. I looked up Sirius XM reviews on YouTube just to see what people thought. And oh, everyone called it a scam. And that's weird. Well, a lot not of- a scam. They said it was kind of like, um, kind of like the Wall Street Journal, how it's like really difficult to cancel. You have to call mm-hmm. and you, they'll okay. put you on hold and then they'll say, well, you know, we'll give you a reduced price. And then they're like, no, we really want to cancel. And then the phone will randomly disconnect. And so it's just like they make it a, a total pain. Um, so people were upset about that. And but tie into the car too, right? So some, they might get sold additionally as like you buy the car at the lot and then you have to cancel later when you don't actually want it. Right. And then um, more positive anecdotal evidence. I still think this is one of the best options for audio in the car. 
most people, I imagine, prefer Sirius over terrestrial radio, just thanks to the coverage and then the ad-free music channels. But also, there's content you can't get on streaming platforms. It sounds like TuneIn might be interesting, but like... Well, TuneIn is just broadcast. So as the... If I, I wasn't clear about TuneIn, TuneIn's... So that you still don't get the exclusives. Okay. I mean, there's... I think they have exclusive sports rights on on certain games. So if you're whatever uh, a fan of a certain sporting event that is exclusive on Sirius or you're a huge fan of Howard Stern, um, there's, there's content you can't get anywhere else. And then they also have been buying some other content um, or production studios that I think are interesting and belong to them. Although they're starting to move off platform. I'm kind of getting into my future growth opportunity. So I'll leave it at that. But I do think it's a valuable service that sits in a, kind of unique spot yeah and you have you used it i've never used it so i don't really have any true anecdotal evidence but yeah i used it i had like friends parents that used it as uh when i was a kid but they uh they're a lot of people have both streaming like a streaming subscription service and then serious so it's not like these people are just choosing to not have streaming services it's, yeah. it's usually both yeah and then the downside of that is that might limit your addressable market to wealthy people only in the united states however you know there's a lot of wealthy people in the united states all right i mean my anecdotal evidence i mean the exclusive content strategy seems to have worked pretty darn well even though it's expensive to retain howard stern and all that good stuff um and kind of this 30 to 60 year old cohort in the united states consistently subscribe to maybe 30 to 60 year old cohort that has large disposable income. Um, this well, the nice thing about Sirius XM is it doesn't seem like too expensive of an add on when buying a new car, especially again, like I said before, if you're on the wealthier side, however, anecdotally, I worry about usage among people under 30. It is pretty non-existent. Um, without any data, I'm going to trust my gut on this one. It's, it's yeah. non-existent. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the trend, despite growth over the last decade, the trend is against yeah, anything radio related. The growth is pretty meager too. If we look at 2017, they had self-paced subs of 26.7 million, and now they have 32 million. So, you know, it's growth, but yeah, pretty small. I the, mean, the, the trend is shifting away. Yeah. There's a headwind, I should there is, say. There is definitely a headwind. Um, I think the headwind is people discovering auxiliary cords, but no, that's just a joke. Uh, yeah. They explicitly called this out in the proxy statement, though, right in the front. So they're, they're focused on this, and they know it's a risk. All right, future growth opportunities, Ryan. What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm going to go with acquiring production teams. I think, uh, as I mentioned at this point, the tide's pretty much against them on their core offering. And by acquiring content you get the most flexibility um, as a business. So they just acquired Conan's podcast studio, uh, Conan O'Brien's, which is Team Coco for $150 million. I think those are the right kind of moves because I think they have Megan Kelly as well, which is like the yeah, political. Some, yeah, they, gosh, who for that? Freakonomics, because Freakonomics was a part of Stitcher. Freakonomics is big too. And so th- those are, no matter where the, how the landscape changes having the content allows them to adapt so if if there's this big push away from satellite radio but you have the content and it works well on streaming also like people probably listen to megan kelly on spotify as well as on probably not as much as on satellite radio but it gives them flexibility um Whereas kind of hitching your wagon solely to satellite radio seems like a big risk. And that's obviously why they've, they're making, they're, they're pouring money into stuff like this. Um, yeah, it seems like a bit of a hedge. However, I do worry about it. Maybe we'll talk about this highlights and lowlights. The unit economics as someone who doesn't own the consumer side of streaming very well, it's just tougher. With two poor, I'd say sub scale assets in Pandora and uh, Stitcher. Yeah. Yeah, and Pandora's kind of run off at this point. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not working. (laughs) Whatever they're doing, it's not working. All right, I'll hit mine, and this might seem strange, but it's it's trying to succeed by getting the service available everywhere because the the advent of the streaming services, which again, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon Music, all those, 
uh, even Pandora, I guess, which they own. The, the benefit of that is streaming everywhere, streaming from any internet-connected device. And SiriusXM, they're going to need to make their service available outside of the car, which they discussed and invested in um, because, you know, the benefit, again, like the streaming service is you can go in the car, but you can also go anywhere. And as long as, um, not as long as, as the internet, what, what am I trying to say? Like the 5G coverage or however, I, I'm saying this poorly, but as that gets better and better, that moat of the, you know, satellite radio of being in the car, super strong uh, connection yeah. kind of goes away. Now, They've talked about this. It seems like they're working well. They're getting better growth across usage of um, outside of the car, you know, streaming on the phone, streaming on a connected TV, you know, watching Howard Stern on your connected TV app. It's the but, ubiquity strategy. Yeah, exactly. But looking at their subscriber count, they're clearly still losing to Spotify, Apple, Google, and YouTube. Yeah. So while they can say they're making progress, Here's the thing. I get concerned about their positioning here. Do do you need to spend, if you had to pick between using your current uh, money that you're reinvesting back into the business, would you choose to build out a mobile app and try to compete with Spotify, or would you rather they just have, they have a mobile app? Oh, you, you mean directly compete, not like? Yeah, I mean, like if you're trying to be everywhere and you're trying to. Basically, that's probably all going into R&D. Would you rather spend all of that trying to compete essentially with, I think, companies that are probably better than you at that? I mean, that's their bread and butter. And the difference of being not a satellite radio service, but a streaming service. Yeah. Or would you rather buy content and just ultimately probably live on the other platforms? I think they're going to be forced for that second one. But maybe we'll discuss that later as well. Because I don't, I don't think they can win. Like, I don't think they can win that streaming fight. Exactly, the streaming fight would be very hard from a user acquisition perspective, and that just puts them in a, between a rock and a hard place. If, and we're saying this while SiriusXM subscribers are going up, so it's not like this is materialized, but it's something to just. And I read a good short report. That actually, well, not a good short report in hindsight because the stock is up and they were kind of wrong but an interesting short report in 2017, which basically outlined the same thing, that streaming is going to disrupt this. And basically it was 4G at the time, but think of the same thing. Internet connectivity everywhere is going to disrupt SiriusXM's yeah. moat, and it hasn't materialized yet. So maybe it doesn't, but it's, I don't know. I mean, people, eventually, people, you're, eventually, I think it, eventually, eventually your customers die. Eventually, if no one under 30 right now is getting... A serious XM, then in 20 years, their core audience will, um, you know, they'll be in senior homes. Uh, highlights and lowlights, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, I think the first one for me is the mo- the moat, excuse me, and monopoly for satellite radio. It's, it's pretty impenetrable. No one's really willing or even thinking of competing or disrupting their exact business model. Although, like we discussed, there's tons of people competing with other types of services. Also, I really like the royalty payments uh, as a percentage of revenue. It's a lot more favorable than the streaming services, which is just great. Now, will that change? Maybe it's always a risk with this type of industry. Um, second one on the highlight front is low churn. It's gone down. It's at about 1.5% right now on a monthly, excuse me, monthly basis with rising average revenue per user. I think that's a great combination. I was pretty pleasantly surprised to see that when you have lowering churn and growing ARPU, I mean... I don't think you need to see much else. People are loving the service and the core audience is sticking around. Now, the big question here is if streaming hasn't killed their core audience, not literally killed them, but, you know, killed their, their Stolen the market. Yeah. yeah. What, you know. Age. Age. Is it just going to be slow? I mean, okay. This is kind of my highlight. They are being so focused in the car is actually sort of hard, makes it tougher for them to be disrupted but or else i think they'd be more like pandora how they're just getting destroyed by the other streaming right, platforms right, yeah. but it still feels like well it's just a worst customer value proposition outside of the ubic outside of the exclusive content and being able to be available everywhere it feels like the connected tv universe where traditional cable is going to slowly 
lose. And you're not going to see them, the numbers, until, you know, but eventually you will. And that's what happened with video. video. Yeah. yeah There's can, actually I, a lot I, of parallels between those two. But at the same time, I would have said that five years ago. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Look at Spotify, Apple, and uh, I guess some of the other players don't routinely release their numbers. Look at their subscriber counts and look at Sirius XMs. Clearly, the incremental users are going to the streaming services. Yeah. Um, and then last one here, I think this is kind of going to be a highlight and a low light. The growth of the podcast and advertising business, it has been from a position of weakness, but has been quite impressive. Because, you know, the huge players, Spotify and Apple, really have the bulk of the user base, and it's just a disadvantage there. But, you know, SiriusXM, through their off-platform, Stitcher, whatever strategy, is really executed well. Now, I, I love to see what the kind of margins they're, they're pumping out there. Um, but, yeah, it was great to see. I mean, compared to, say, we're talking about execution-wise from your competitive positioning, I'd maybe argue they've, they've executed better than Spotify. Now, yeah. Spotify might win because they have all the users in the long run, but it's been quite impressive. Now, low lights, I have four. Uh, we already talked about being in the weaker position, so I don't think we need to add that or talk about that again. Second one, I do not like Liberty Media's debt strategy. I know some people like it, some people don't. I don't like it. And then using their stock kind of as a toy for buybacks is just a negative for me if I'm thinking of investing in SiriusXM stock. Um, the debt load is steadily growing while free cash flow is not growing very much. And the debt ratios are not like hugely concerning. Churn remains low, but it just adds risk to me. And there's like you're adding on all this debt to juice buybacks ever so slightly. I think it makes it more fragile of a company. If things kind of go south, subscribers go down. This could get ugly fast. Um, second low light or third low light is Pandora and other pretty clearly in a bad spot. We already talked about Pandora, so don't need to go into more details there, but obviously negative. And then here's the low light on the advertising side. I don't really know how to square the circle with, um, you know, you have Pandora losing customers, so they don't, they're losing their user side of things from listening to audio streaming. Yeah. And it's hard to see where the end game is for the podcast, podcast content strategy, because if all the listeners are on Spotify and Apple and then YouTube, maybe you could add them in. It seems like they're going to be a tough, SiriusXM is going to be a tough spot, even if they've had this early success and they have the cash to acquire some of these top um, studios slash shows. Because, you know, maybe like 10 years ago, you could have been, had a lot of success buying up some strong YouTube channels. But in the long run, where's all the value going to accrue? Most likely to YouTube. And I think it just makes it way more difficult for SiriusXM to succeed. Yeah. Um, what do you think about this as a low light? And I could be wrong, but it, whenever I read through any Liberty Media owned company, it always feels like John Malone makes out better than common stockholders. Or, well, here, yeah, because the reason they're buying back so much here, I could be reading this wrong, is that they want to get the. Um, and I was reading this in a Valley Investor Pope write up, so that's what really where I caught it. Wasn't <laughs> wasn't my own catch here, but. They're buying back all the stock because they want to get themselves above the 80% threshold of ownership, which they did. And that makes all the gains on their investment that have been fantastic. I mean, when they bought shares at whatever, less than a dollar, it's been huge gains. Now those gains will be tax-free for whatever reason. We don't need to go into the details why. But they're buying back stock, not reducing share count by that much, and adding this huge debt load, which they don't really care about future gains for SiriusXM, they're just trying to monetize their SiriusXM investment tax-free, yeah. which is just different incentives um, that you and I, you might not be aligned in, with the incentives with uh, if you're buying SiriusXM so I mean, outright. That's kind of what, I guess, I mean, that was a better way of putting it, but it kind of worries me that it feels like he always ends up, maybe the common stockholders get the short end of the stick. Yeah, they don't. Not, yeah. They don't get quite the benefits that John Malone gets. It's not Liberty really, yeah. Media. Just yeah, it's not just him. It's the team. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, lowlights. I guess I mentioned most of my highlights. There. I think. I think the car is sort of a unique spot. And then, um, I still think content's king. So even if the industry evolves away from what would be the most favorable for them, they can survive if they have really good content. Here's a good question. What's a bigger loss? I think it's a pretty easy answer. Sirius XM loses Howard Stern or Spotify loses Joe Rogan. 
I don't know enough about Howard Stern to say. They're both the same. Yeah, I guess I don't, I don't really know much about him either, but I don't because he's exclusive on something. That They're both very highly controversial, highly controversial figures. <laughs> they say a lot of uh, crazy stuff. Yeah, I think that's why people listen. I uh, think it's probably serious because just you've never, the, like they haven't succeeded without him, but Spotify has without their exclusive strategy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, they've been renewing that Howard Stern contract since that's been what, since 2004? <laughs> yeah, a long time. Yeah. So uh, obviously he's pretty valuable to them. Um, my only low light would be that the one, the only one that you haven't mentioned, um, I guess you mentioned them all, but there is sort of just this overall headwind. And I think a big chunk of their cash flow over the next decade is going to go to debt holders. So, yeah. Or, well, they're going to refinance. Because that's really their strategy is to always have yeah. that, the liberty strategy, but still, I mean, interest payments have got to, they're low now, but we'll see. They're adding on more debt and interest rates are rising. The the, the interest, expense, interest expense is just going to rise and that could hurt free cash flow growth. Even if their top line is growing at single digits, um, that could really impact free cash flow. All right. Last part, bull case. Right. Yeah. What do you think you go right here? All right, here's my bull case. Over the next five years, Sirius gets to around 40 million subscribers. That's a three. That's a three percent annual growth on the subs. Um, so it, I would say it's fairly aggressive, but I think three percent for a bull case is potentially realistic. I mean, they've been able to go at about that rate, haven't yeah, they? Yeah. Let me let me calculate while you're talking because I haven't yet the CAGR on self-pay subs. So. Okay. So 40, 40 million subscribers, 19 to $20 a month in average revenue per user. That's about a four to 5% CAGR or growth rate annually. That would be 9.6, a little under $10 billion in revenue for the core satellite radio business. Assuming cash flow margins can stay steady at about 20%, which I think is a realistic bet to make, especially if they, uh, uh, they grow. Um, and they redeploy that cash into a mix of buybacks, step payments, new audio content, and they run Pandora for cash. Basically, they 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 don't try to reinvest back there. I think there's a good chance you can get ten percent returns, but I don't see it going a whole lot higher. Yeah, yeah. Unless they make a really good acquisition or something like that, there have to be. A trust in the capital allocation here. The thing is, they have been pretty methodical about their alternative audio investments, which I like. They haven't just been basically balls to the wall like Spotify has been, where they just throw cash at it. Um, it's been a little steadier, a little more consistent. Yeah. All right. My bull case. Yeah, I think with low churn and strong ARPU flowing through, which again is average revenue per user. Oh, actually, I should note their self-pay subs have compounded at three point seven percent from 2017 to 2022. So not far off in the bull case there. Um, although self-pay and total subs are a little different. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, if they continue with low churn and strong ARPU, you can get single digit top line growth from Sirius XM. Then you add on the fast growing advertising segment and overall revenue could grow at 10% a year um, with stable margins and still utilizing the buyback program. Although the Liberty Stick adds some complications because if they already own over 80%, how much can we buy back without Liberty having to sell some. Don't know if they're going to do that. Don't know if they're just going to take it in-house when they buy back everything. Um, so we'll see. All right. Let me uh, let me paint this question. 20 years from now, does Sirius XM still exist? Oh. In its current form? Yeah. Sirius XM. Like the satellite yeah, radio, the satellite, people oh, turn I, it on, turn yeah. on the stations in their cars. Doubtful. I think it's doubtful, but 20 yeah. years is a long time. Yeah. So you would no one have even have thought that the streaming would exist 15 years ago. So we'll see. Yeah. But again, I still think there's a lot of disruption risk here. But either way, if they can grow the top line at 10%, they can probably grow free cash flow per share at about 12% plus annually. If you're at the current enterprise value to free cash flow, this would likely equate to solid returns. And that current enterprise value to free cash flow is 22 and a half. Uh, but let's move to bear case. Um, Ryan, what do you think? The ship to streaming slowly eats away at the Sirius XM subscriber base. Pandora, Pandora continues hemorrhaging subs. And then the recent content investments just aren't enough uh, to either replace the revenue from a declining sub base or 
they just don't find an ROI on those investments. Um, and then on top of that, you're pretty levered. So, um, yeah. momentum could really kind of go the opposite way here if streaming really did start to work against them. But I feel like that would have happened already. And so, I don't know. I, I, the bear case c- could be quite bad, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what the yeah, subscriber It feels more just like a matter of time. Like. Yeah. I just don't see, I don't know a single person below the age of 30 that has serious XM. No. And maybe that's just our part of the country, but I doubt it. Like no one, you not, no one. Like no that, one, eventually that's going to take effect. All, we don't, you know, we're not reclusives here. Uh, yeah. No one uses. I asked my friends if they would ever subscribe to Sirius XM, and they all said, "What's Sirius XM?" So exactly. So that that's got. I swear that's got to catch up to them, but it hasn't yet. So I don't really. I honestly have no idea what their subscriber count is going to be. Yeah. Um, but my other case, same thing. Streaming finally catches up, um, and Pandora is a bad asset that basically goes to zero, and I guess advertising never really. It's not going to be big enough. Yeah. Their, their current equity or enterprise value. All right, more or less interesting. I'm less. Uh, I would, I mean, I'm not like thrilled about the business overall, but then on top of that, I don't think it's a very compelling valuation. So it makes it pretty easy for me to say less interested. Yeah, same boat. I'm less interested just because I think there's key risks here that you'd rather be with at, you know, valuation agnostic and there's not that. I don't think the valuation across you know the the streaming competitors Spotify is that different. You'd rather be someone that's put up strong execution on user growth and subscriber growth. Yeah, um, if we were trading at like half the valuation, I'd consider it. Yeah, because of the churn, because of the ARPU growth, you know, you have that consistent core base, but at an earnings ratio above twenty, I mean, I just don't get it. Um, so yeah, less interested. All right, stock for next week teaser here we're going to be changing up the schedule a bit uh and doing something more fun and more uh proactive with how we're going to do it so people that are listeners and potential subscribers and current subscribers understand what they're going to get but we're going to continue with the audio theme until we do that new strategy or new format in september um and the format of the show will be the same just the format of the scheduling will be different but we're We're going to do it by themes yeah we're going to do it by themes little teaser there but the stock for next week is going to be Warner Music Group. So we're going to hit the other side of the industry, the company that the cartel, XM, yeah, the company that SiriusXM, Spotify, Apple is all are all paying. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on the show is not formal advice or recommendation. We are general partners at Arch Capital, and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. 